Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Nick Alcorn, and I go to St. Dennis Episcopal Church, and I'm also a member of the Youth Leadership Council. And welcome back, everybody, for this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. We are going to be talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday November 20th, Christ the King Sunday, a.k.a. Proper 29, a.k.a. the last Sunday in Ordinary Time, a.k.a. the last uh, the last Sunday before Advent. So, uh, the great green growing season has ceased to grow. It shall be transformed mm-hmm. into blue or purple, depending on your decision at your church. We are so happy to have Nick Alcorn with us. Thank you, Nick, for being here. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, Nick... One thing we do every week with our guests is we always like to check in about ministry context. So we would love to hear about what you're doing, you know, ministry-wise or in any way that you think about that in your life. So um, as a member of the Youth Leadership Council, um, I am a part of a a group of eight students who are planning four main events for the year for all of the youth and available to all of the youth in the diocese. And our philosophy is kind of students leading students. We want to be able to create events that other people like us, um, other students in the diocese will be able to enjoy, um, making them fun and also incorporating other aspects of education and other things. And so our upcoming event this year um, is the Good News Festival. And I would like to say that youth, re- youth registration is officially open for the Good News Festival. And I'm filled with joy as we participate in this incredible event. Um, and right now, go to thegoodnewsfestival.com to reserve your seat. Seriously, pause this podcast, then open a window in your browser to register. Unless you're on the 15th <laughs> South and just do it when you stop. Um, so our goal is vibrant, fun, free faith-filled day um and 200 youth participants 200 that is our goal and the youth leadership council is hard at work creating an exciting day for us and there there is a community art piece and a hype party there will be swag like tie-dye t-shirts and and glow sticks and candy and dinner definitely and students are a part of this procession into the main stage event and we will have reserved seats at the front the the diocese is fully invested in highlighting a deep commitment to lifting us up as the church now and not just saying we're the future of the church and it will take all of us to create the excitement and the registration for this event please help me in connecting students you know to this extraordinary day we are bigger than you imagine bigger than one church bigger than one diocese bigger than just this country and and we are all an important part of this movement one of the cool things was this last weekend, Nick and I were on Zoom with the rest of the team that's actually planning the Good News Festival, oh. um, and we were talking about like the specific offerings that we're going to have there, and I'm really excited about the collaborative art piece that the young people have planned, oh, yeah. um, and so you can look for that after the festival itself. It will be on display, and uh-huh. uh, it's going to be really cool. Yeah. I love community art projects. Mm-hmm. We actually have a community art project going on in our house right now. We got a bunch of... Um, is it crayons on wall? <laughs> yes. It actually is. <laughs> but it's not directly on the wall. Someone okay. sent us a box uh, filled with a bunch of like packing brown paper, like butcher paper, essentially. And so we were just trying to think of something to do one afternoon. And I taped it up all, all on the wall. And then Mary Lynn wrote, drew a big turkey. 
and then people have, we've been adding what we're thankful for in turkey's feathers. Oh, that's super fun. Isn't it? Aren't yeah. we so creative? Well, and it's good use of resources. I yeah. like it. And the kids are going to color on the wall anyway. So mm-hmm. this is a way for saving the wall. Anyway, community art project. I'm into it. Um, you know what else we always love to hear, Nick, is where people saw God in the last week. So did you have a God sighting in the last you know, week or two? Okay, so I, I just actually got back from a, a dance lesson because I'm preparing for some upcoming auditions. So I think in this particular lesson when I felt God um, is, well, I should give some context. So I, I have to create, I'm, give, I'm given a combination and I have to put it, put it together and like, make sure I have like the storytelling elements of everything. And so as I'm doing this, it's, it's hard as I'm learning stuff on the spot to actually do it, get it right as I'm trying to memorize it on the spot as I'm learning it. So there's always a moment when it all suddenly clicks, like you're, you're, you know, where your foot is going next, you know, where your arms are going. Um, and it's almost that, um, being like being able to move and remember and having that confidence enter you. I feel like that moment when everything kind of clicks and I feel that peace and that bliss is, is how I see God in, in, in that dance lesson and, and being able to move and not have to think too much and being able to just live, um, live in the moment. I, that's kind of the, the spirit being able to, um, let me relax and let me be as I am in that moment. Um, and it's just a very freeing thing for me. And I think I'm seeing God as kind of that freeing presence, um, like guiding me um, through something, um, is, comforting and it's something that that i i I think about um pretty frequently i love that when everything clicks it is an amazing experience as a five on the enneagram Mm -hmm. i live for that moment Mm -hmm. when everything becomes clear and i can feel it the spirit moves so good so thanks so much nick for sharing those uh two things and you know what everybody we'd love to hear from you uh, about your ministry context, about where you saw God this past week, about your point from the gospel, or any questions, comments, stories, or uh, anything from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can always get in contact with us in any of those ways listed in the description for this podcast episode. That's emails, voicemails, texts. Uh, get in contact with us through the website or on Instagram. And you can always go to myfaith2go.org uh, to check out the Faith to Go resources for this week. They're always based on this gospel that we're talking about in the podcast. And speaking of the gospel, we're going to transition to our gospel discussion again for this upcoming week on November 20th, Christ the King Sunday. Charlotte is going to read it and then we'll each share a point. The gospel is Luke 23 verses 33 to 43. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. The people stood by, watching Jesus on the cross. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, 
Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. All right. Paradise. Uppercase P. Uppercase P, everybody. That means it's a proper noun. I mean, it's a, a place you go. It's in California, actually. I have a friend that grew up there. Um, so, here we are in Luke 23. We've fast-forwarded a little bit in our journey with Jesus. Um, last week, uh, between last week and this week, last week's reading, Jesus has had the Last Supper with his disciples. He's gone to uh, the garden to pray. He's been arrested. He's been sent back and forth, back and forth, between Pilate and Herod, and then has now is now being uh, put to death, crucified. I know what you're saying. This is a weird thing to talk about between Thanksgiving and Advent. We're hearing this story because it's thematically about Christ being a king. So it's about the feast day, Christ the king. We were just kind of going along in the story. We might, you know, end on a different place. But this is where we are. It's not, we're not jumping forward to Lent. Don't worry. You haven't missed six months of your life. We're just jumping ahead in the story to this uh, story of Jesus on the cross. And spoilers, Jesus dies after this. So I don't know if anybody knew that, but... That's where we're going. We don't hear it in the story, but that's the very next thing that happened, is Jesus' death, burial, and you know, ultimately resurrection. So we're not going to hear that part of the story from Luke, because we're transitioning into Matthew's year next week, and then we'll be into the Advent, uh, the kind of thematic Advent stories from Matthew for those four Sundays leading up to Christmas. So that's where we are, and Nick has the first point. Um, so I, I think going into this gospel, the first thing that I'll say kind of moving from the beginning is there's always the idea of Jesus having to prove himself in some kind of physical way to people. Um, that's what people seem to be expecting of him in this gospel and in many other stories. Um, and there's also the intimidation tactic, trying to um, people trying to show their, their power almost over him um, or it's it's complicated because the intimidation tactic doesn't really work on him um most most in like the way that they want it to at least um so it's uh, it's just an interesting way for people to um try to relate to jesus like trying to wrestle with like the idea of like what like is he this like what does that mean and like and so a, a lot of people especially in the stories that we see um more frequently they don't they meet this in like a kind of a they're very conflicted and they express that conflict out outwardly and i think something that kind of um uh, is like an overarching presence in in this conflict is the bigger picture that's not seen by a lot of people like um jesus in in this story many others does not react for specific reasons um specifically uh, how they ask him to um to save himself or um one of the other criminals asks him to save them as well he doesn't do that because um there is a bigger plan he's he's supposed to die for our sins and then rise after three days later um and that is uh, it's in it's in God's plan, and it's um he's not bowing to the, the whims of of these people who expect something from him because he he's doing this for them, um but he's not doing it the way that they necessarily want him to, um because they don't have that that vision that God has and that Jesus is a, kind of a part of, um and I will say w with the taunting and everything there is there's also fear in their taunting, um we have there's like the fear of God and just the fear like 
uncertainty, that type of fear that's, that's also present here. And um, just seeing that as, as a theme of when, when, especially in like a crowd, if people are very angry and, and um, shouting and, and taunting and things like that, it's normally out of fear or some kind of um, insecurity that um, is aligned with confusion. And uh, in this story, Jesus does not bow to that because he's part of a, a bigger plan. And um, the other type of fear that we see, of course, is the fear of God and how there and how the other criminals are in no position to ask for Jesus's help. How like one of the criminals realizes that, and um, he he um, he knows to basically put them all in God's hands, and Jesus reassures him that of course he he has a place in heaven. So I, I think knowing that almost the um, the whims of the people are not as important as the greater plan, and that we and the trust that one of the criminals has in, in, in that plan is what carries everyone through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that really uh, dovetails with my point um, because I was thinking about this, this way that Jesus kind of also about how Jesus kind of conducts himself and what he does um, on the cross. Um, and Nick talking about kind of, you know, what he, what he doesn't do and, you know, the way he doesn't act in response to the people, you know, expecting him to, to do one thing and doing another. And, and I'm thinking about it in a similar way and just the way that he does it kind of go with kind of the cultural flow of, you could call it justice. Like the people here think they're getting justice, you know, and, uh, it's just, it's like a retributive kind of justice, the justice that ends with violence. And that doesn't actually change anything in the world, just perpetuate systems of violence and oppression. And I think that's why uh, I was thinking about this this morning. It struck me just, you know, how it is Christ the King. And so we're in a story where they call Jesus King a lot. And I'm wondering why it was so important for these kind of Roman officials uh, to have this up above Jesus, to name him this thing so often. And I think it's part of that oppressive, violent system, you know, so that Rome can be like, not only are we dominating you in all these ways, but now we've killed, you know, your king. There's so many forces pushing on Jesus, forces of violence and oppression and retribution. The thing that jumped out to me is something that I've I've heard and read Richard Rohr, a Franciscan a Catholic priest, talk about a lot, which is just the way that Jesus like embodies this different kind of justice on the cross, something that is much more restorative. And that instead of kind of perpetuating this cycle of violence, and this is this is like one of the reasons that Jesus inspired people like Martin Luther King to to go about justice through nonviolence. You know, is that in so many ways in Jesus's story, but especially here in this most extreme situation, uh, where he has all these people saying, you know, take yourself down from the cross, pay them back, you know, like keep the fight going, instead of like yelling at them or trying to get his the people that love him and follow him to fight back. Jesus like holds all of that hate and violence and anger and retribution and breathes out and gives back like love and forgiveness, which Charlie will talk about more, and mercy and, and kindness and just this incredible openness. And in doing so, does something like kind of like Nick was saying, like Nick was talking about this like bigger picture that everyone else can't see. Jesus sees the bigger picture of what that kind of restorative response is going to bring. He feels in his gut that there's something more than returning violence with violence here. I think Jesus knows that responding in this kind of restorative, forgiving, loving way, that love opens up a path that violence closes down. You know, that violence, like, 
violence closes off possibilities for relationship. And love, in all these, even this most extreme situation, opens up the possibility for new life, a.k.a. the resurrection. And so I, I just, I love Jesus' posture here. And I think that there's something, the next thought that I have is, well, that, that sounds like you're saying that you can just, just take all this abuse, you know, take all this violence, whatever's happening to you, just take it. I don't think that's what's happening in this situation. I think that we all are kind of trusting our gut in the moment, you know, like knowing that there are other ways to respond uh, to violence. And, and it's not to say that we don't need to protect ourselves. Um, there are a lot of times when Jesus protects himself and protects other people. And in, in this moment, though, Jesus is feeling this bigger thing than just this returning of violence. He knows that there's something more here. There's something new that can be born. Uh, if he can have this different posture in this moment. So I love that Jesus embodies that for us and invites us to to wonder, you know, in these, I doubt where any of us are going to be in the same situation, but in similar situations, um, how can we respond in love and use maybe Valerie Kors' compass, you know, of, of breathing and pushing and, and loving and seeing what happens, you know, when violence clearly hasn't worked. So. Well, and I was thinking, David, as you were talking about what that means as far as absorbing harm that's being done, and I was thinking that there's times in which we are called to protect ourselves and each other, and there's times in which our response is towards growth. And I think that that's what I so clearly hear in what you're saying, is that Jesus identified the way forward very clearly, and that is a way forward that requires that hard and painful work of growing um, and that at this point it isn't about protection anymore for Jesus that Jesus's protection is for all of us um, and doing that hard work of growing through that together so I think that each of us has that opportunity to discern in every situation whether we are being called into growth and certainly there is important work to be done that way, peaceful, loving, revolutionary work of growing, and that there's times in which we are called to protect ourselves and others. Yeah, and he's genuinely concerned with the wellness of every single person, you know, like even the people that hate him the most in this moment, like he loves them and and wants something more for them, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's amazing that he can see that possibility for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, When it's really hard to do that, it's really hard to do that. Uh, when someone is is doing something like this to you. Well, and I think that that takes us to my point. Um, Beautifully, thank you. So, but my point does have to do, mine actually comes towards the first part of this gospel that we heard. And it is, Jesus is talking here. He's got, he's on the cross. He has criminals on either side of him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And as I was reflecting on this gospel this week, I actually was transported back to youth group this last week because we are currently exploring the Lord's Prayer line by line, thinking about what it means in our lives, how we can connect to it more deeply and fully. Because let's be honest, it's probably one of the first prayers that we learned as a child. And for many of us, as we say it, it has become rote. And there is nothing wrong with a prayer that just comes out of your body automatically, but sometimes it leaves us not really considering the meaning behind each of the lines that are in a prayer. Mm -hmm. And so doing a deep dive into it allows us to maybe connect to it in a new way and, and or reconsider the way that we have been connecting to it. 
So this past week, we were considering um, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And of course, that leads to the times that we need to forgive others, the very difficult and challenging work of the ways that we need to forgive ourselves. Sometimes the hardest thing that we need to do is forgive ourselves for when we've made mistakes. Um, But then also those things that either A, feel unforgivable, or B, lie just outside of our grasp of offering forgiveness. And what do we do in those situations? Like what, what does that look like or feel like? Because certainly the pain that we have been caused by others, oftentimes when it results in a relationship being severed and no longer being part of our lives, that is the right choice. Um, that you don't need to stay in relationship with people that continue to cause you harm, especially if it's serious harm. Mm-hmm. However, carrying the pain that was caused really only hurts you at any given time. Once the relationship is gone, you're holding that piece of anger, frustration, and pain doesn't actually affect justice on the other human being. It doesn't do anything to solve the situation, but the pain that you are feeling goes on and on in holding it. And yet, how do we let go sometimes? Because the pain is so big and and so hard. And there is this opportunity to ask for God's forgiveness in it, to take the thing, the harm that has been done to us, and to turn it over to God. Um, And And certainly I will never speak for Jesus. I don't know what's going on in Jesus's mind. Mm. However, when I hear this language from him, it can be a plea from Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing, advocating for the people who are causing harm to Jesus. But it also can be, I am here on this cross suffering greatly, and God, I am turning this over to you. I am taking all of this pain that I am feeling, and I am turning it over to you, and and forgive them. Forgive them for what they are doing. And I hear it mirrored in from a chapter earlier when um, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives, and he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And knowing the fact that turning it over to God is enough sometimes. Turning it over to God is the only act of forgiveness that is sometimes all that is possible for us. And it is enough, Um, especially because we hear it modeled from Jesus in this, regardless of what the intent was for it. You know, Jesus models so much for us, the things that we can only aspire to that are beyond our reach and that we try to live into each and every day and the things that are possible for us that we see modeled by Jesus. And I think that this is one of them, um, that in these exceptionally painful and challenging periods that we have in our lives, when forgiveness seems inconceivable, a bridge too far, um, a deep wound in our hearts, that in those moments that we can turn it over to God because the only forgiveness that there is to offer is that of God's. Okay, and those are our three points for this week. Point number one was Nick's, and it was about Jesus, you know, not living up to all the expectations of the people around him, especially in this story, people expecting him to act a certain way and Jesus being countercultural and using his power uh, in different ways than people are expecting. The second point was mine, and it was similar to Nick's, to the first, uh, about Jesus using his power for restoration, you know, um, taking this posture of love and restorative justice rather than 
continuing the cycle of violence and retribution and, and that that opens up new ways for, for new life. And Charlotte's was the third point, uh, bringing us home about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness and, and the way that we might initiate that, uh, that process, but that it's God's work uh, to do with us, you know, that, that God works with us in the, in the work of forgiveness and that we are partners and collaborators with God in that. So having heard those three points, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us, uh, send us a text, a voicemail, get in contact with us through the website or on Instagram. You can find all those ways of getting in contact with us listed in the podcast description for this episode. We'd love to hear any of your questions, comments, stories in your week of faith discussion or reflection, or maybe any of your God sightings or something about your ministry context that you'd like to share. Uh, also, make sure to uh, go check out thegoodnewsfestival.com. Uh, you can find out a lot about the event itself. You can find all the workshops, all the times for things, and especially look for that live recording of faith to go that we'll be doing. You can go to the website, sign up for your free spot at the festival, and also find out when and where we're going to be doing our live recording of faith to go that weekend, December 10th. Thank you again to Nick for being on the podcast. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for having me. This was my pleasure. And we'll be back next week to talk about Advent 1, the first Sunday in Advent. So exciting to be into a new season of the church year. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.